Welcome to Heroes of Brand Protection Podcast, Episode 16. I'm your host, Daniel Shapiro, Vice President of Brand Relations at Redpoints, the world's fastest growing brand protection solution with a mission to make the internet safer for both brands and consumers. In this podcast, we will share stories and industry insights from some of the leading experts in brand protection and anti-counterfeiting from many different industries. We are so happy you could join us today. Please check out all of our episodes on www.redpoints.com forward slash podcast. Today, we are thrilled to be speaking with Morton Syrup, Brand Protection Officer at Bang & Olufsen. Our guest wanted to be the next Michael Jordan when he was a young boy. After realizing there's only gets to be a few Michael Jordans, Morton decided to go to business school. Morton has had different journeys throughout his career, all with a commercial background. While Morton's career path is unique, it's proof that brand protection thought leaders come from many different backgrounds. Well, welcome, Morton. We're thrilled to have you at our podcast today. Uh, we're excited to learn about your story and, and your journey. So thank you for uh, joining us. Thank you very much for having me, Daniel. I look forward to the to the talk. Yeah. So uh, one thing I'd like to know right out the gate uh, before we get going, but if, if you could be a fly on a wall and listen in on some conversation, whose conversation would you like to listen in on? It's a very good question. Um you know, I've always been very fond of whenever politics meet one another. So whenever you have a, a Trump or president in U.S. meeting up with the Russian president, you know, you, you know, it's a hot potato. Right. And they are always coming out and saying a little bit about what they talked about. But in reality, everyone knows that this is not what they have talked about. So being a fly <laughs> there, that could be quite interesting to see what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure we get almost nothing about what was spoken about. You're right. And and when you think about sort of your experience, uh, Morton, in not only in your current career, but you know, on your career path, your journey to where you are today, is there sort of a funny experience you think about a lot that when you're having a drink with your buddies or friends or new people you meet, you tell tell sort of this funny story? Yeah, yeah. It's it's actually dates back many many years. Um... So when I was still in school, I earned a bit of extra money as a, as a waiter. And I was part of a, of a group of waiters um, hired in to do different events. And one event I was hired into was actually a speak um, that was hosted by, um, or, or, you know, where Hans Briggs and Bill Clinton was participating. And, you know, I started off by thinking, you know, I should just be working in a bar or something like that. But I actually turned out to be in the top VIP room. The uh, 15 selected people invited to that uh, meet and greet with Bill Clinton and, and Hans Briggs in, in advance of the conference and talk. And, you know, I got to hang out with, uh, with good old Bill and um, had a fun conversation about his pink tie and all of these different things. Did you know that... Uh, According to him, to him, only real men can wear pink ties. <laughs> Listen, it's important that you picked out one good thing from the you know former president of the United States, exactly. and if it was about the pink ties, I think I think you did well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great story. Um, sort of thinking about your time from you know when you were a waiter in school earning extra money. Tell us how you uh, how did you get here? How did what was your journey like? How did you get to where you are today? What did you study? 
So, um, so I started, uh, I come with a commercial background. I've been listening into most of your podcast and I have a little bit of a different background than, than most of the other guests. So I come with a commercial background. I have studied a uh, master in science, uh, master of science in uh, economics and, and marketing with a site major on, on branding. And from there, I got a first job as a market analyst. So looking very much into, into number and number cracking, right? And from there, basically had a lot of different positions, but always with a commercial orientation to it. So, um, you know, working within the fields of business development, project management, in-house strategy consultant, and, and, and worked across uh, sales functions, sales support functions, finance function, uh, functions. So, um, so that's kind of like my, my history um, uh, leading up until I joined the brain protection, brain protection team. What, what did you want to be when you grew up? I mean, that's sort of how you got there. But what, what did you think when you were in school, you know, studying in, in, in the commercial sector? Like, what did you think you were going to do? Or what did you want to do? I mean, it, when I go way back, my number one dream was to uh, be the next Michael Jordan. But uh, obviously, uh, well, that didn't pay very good out. Uh, otherwise, I wouldn't be sitting here and talking about brain protection, right? Um, but uh, I wanted to be a professional basketball player playing in the NBA uh, when I was a kid. Um, and really, I think that, you, hope, you know, the whole aspect of, of sales and business development and, and being, being leading pro, uh, project leads um, is actually what I've already think that I would love to do and, and evolve within that field. Um, but I became wiser, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah. Well, listen, all of us have a, a generally a, a dream. Some people, you know, have a, have their career picked out at the beginning and some, you know, want to be Michael Jordan. Right. But there's only a couple of guys that are sort of Michael Jordan. But that's a listen. It's a great it's a great goal. Right. Exactly. Um, and maybe for those who are listening to us today, Morton, maybe it'd be great if you could talk a little bit about Bang & Olufsen and maybe share with us a little bit about the company's background and history. Sure. Bang & Olufsen uh, is a design and, and sales luxury consumer audio solutions and television sets. Our head office is located in the northern part of Denmark in a, in a city called Stor. And actually, uh, that has been our head, uh, the location of our headquarters for the past almost 100 years now. And Bang & Olufsen is quite unique within the space between consumer audio and luxury uh, luxury goods. It is really our core competences within sound and the delivery of sound experiences, our strong heritage in, in, in design and craftsmanship uh, that makes Bang & Olufsen a very unique brand within the, uh, within the consumer audio space and the consumer space at all. Wonderful. And tell, tell me, do you have uh, multiple sort of locations or is the business run directly out of uh, Denmark itself or? Yeah, so we have uh, so we have locations and offices all around the world. Um, main offices is Denmark, New York, Shanghai, um, Singapore. And our products are sold via 
Bang Olsen branded stores, as you will see on any high street around the world. And then we also operate third-party retailing stores. So, and, and, and typically what you would find in third-party retailing stores are our more personal audio product like smaller Bluetooth speakers um, and, and headphones and earphones. Fabulous. Whenever I'm in a big city, I find myself drawn to Bang & Olufsen stores. I love to walk in them. I love the sound. I love looking at the beautiful designs. And I always feel that it's such a luxurious store. It's really a, a great consumer experience. And I think, I think also here, Daniel, it's, you know, we are very proud of the products. And actually, as you also say, a lot of people can recognize a Bang & Olufsen product without even seeing the logo on it, right? It, it's very unique. We use premium materials uh, throughout our production, um, aluminium, authentic leather, Scandinavian woods to do, uh, you know, covers and, and, and speaker grills for our speakers. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful product. Um, what do you think when you think about, you know, I know you're new in the uh, as the brand protection officer, but is there something that you would identify as sort of one of the more challenging you know, functions of your role as the brand protection officer for, for Bang & Olufsen? Um, yeah, I think being able to prioritize in a very hectic, uh, hectic uh, everyday, we have a lot of cases and, and things that can be solved. So it's very much about um, prioritizing. Great, great. And, and uh, sort of following up on, on that role as the brand protection officer, Maybe share with us a little bit how you've structured, you know, your function at Bang & Olufsen and, and maybe sort of forward thinking about how to how to tackle this challenge. Sure. Um, so, so to give uh, everyone a, a glimpse into the, into the past, Bang & Olufsen have had and, and worked with a dedicated brain protection team for, for the past two years. Previously, brain protection... Uh, the brain protection discipline was uh, was done in a number of different teams throughout the organization. But really, two years ago, we decided on joining forces and, and, and creating one dedicated team to work with everything that is uh, brain protection. Um, and what we've come to learn over the course of the last couple of years is that our approach to brain protection is somewhat different than what we hear from a lot of other companies. So I obviously come with a with a commercial uh, mindset and a commercial background, knowing uh, knowing sales and finance and and very well. But we also, of course, within the team have legal resources, have had lawyers associated tools that knows everything in regards to to uh, to the laws and also to the IP rights uh, associated into to brain protection, which goes very closely hand to hand uh, here. Um, and what we really did in the beginning was to sit down and kind of like describe what is, why, why is it at all that we exist as a team? What is the purpose of us um, in order to lay out the, you could say, the, the map or, or, or the world uh, that we would work within? So, so really what we came down to was the obvious part, but still uh, very relevant is our purpose is to protect Bang & Olufsen brain value and brain equity. So basically how we see it is that um, our map is wherever the consumer is exposed 
to the Bang & Olufsen brand. This is where there might be issues or where we need to focus and ensure that the customer gets the best possible experience of the Bang & Olufsen brand. So when you think about sort of that brand equity and maybe I'll call it brand reputation as you think about solving for those criteria, you guys have obviously been in business, as you mentioned, 100 years, 100 plus years. But it goes to show you that there is times when you've got to sit down and sort of rethink, yeah. you know, where you sit, right? And even though you're a hundred plus year old company and, and this challenge of brand protection is not new, the ecosystem in which brand protection is sort of evolving into is sort of new, right? So I think yeah. that strategy of yours of bringing all the uh, stakeholders to the table to sort of rethink it is a great strategy, right? Yeah, I mean, this is um, this is exactly what we did because uh, you know if you have a, a company, a hundred year old company, both the brand protection discipline has changed throughout the years, but definitely also how consumers engage with your brand, right? Uh, if you go back just I don't know twenty years ago, hardly no one shopped online. There wasn't any Facebook, or Facebook was just recently launched, right? So it was something new. So the whole consumer experience has also drastically changed and we need to accommodate for that. Right. Exactly. No, uh, very, very thoughtful. Um, and what, what, uh, you know, sort of based on those uh, meetings and discussions with your team, what challenges do you see in regards to uh, brand protection for your particular industry? You know, the, the audio uh, industry is different than others and, and how do you go after it? I see it being really, um, you know, counterfeits being one of the main issues that we continue to to try to fight um, and do our best uh, to fight. And obviously, this is a, a challenge that everyone is facing. This is not something that is unique to Bang & Olufsen at all. Um, but the, the ever-changing landscape of how counterfeiters actually sell the products, um, you know, previously it was very much on marketplaces. Now there is a shift towards social media platforms or other communication uh, platforms that they tend to fly under the radar or however we should say it. And, 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 and this is, so again, this is the ever-changing aspect of it, right? Yeah, and I, and I think you're right. It, and, and it sort of brings me to sort of thinking about you know, your thoughts on sort of brick and mortar versus e-commerce as we think about uh, the future, right? I mean, you mentioned, you know, uh, the investment that Bang & Olufsen's made in in their branded store locations and how important that is to their world. But at the same time, you know, this e-commerce landscape is certainly changing the way in which consumers are buying today. So how are you, maybe the company, thinking about that uh, confluence of those two things? I agree to what you're saying, right? Everything points to, and, and we, what we've seen is just e-commerce taking over um, and, and, and being a, coming a, a, a larger and larger part of, of not only consumer electronics, luxury, but more or less every industry. Um, and you cannot neglect that, right? But, and, and, and the e-commerce also have a competitive advantage because they have data on everyone, right? They have data on, on your shopping behavior and all of these different things. So they are, you know, they can map you out pretty, pretty well. But how I also see is that, you know, I see that the brick and water stores still is relevant. What I see also in Denmark, but also when I 
travel abroad is that they the chains the store the the account or store chains are maybe changing towards more of an experience stores and more of you know the term omni-channel uh, where the store and, and actually is more of an experience center basically right sure but i also think that the that you know good old mom and pop store brick and water still holds uh still holds a place in this right because at the end of the day we are, we are still humans right we like interaction with one another um and then you know good service and being able to deliver something extra that is still uh, that is still very very relevant and 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 i actually also see that this is a a need that a lot of people are actually willing now to 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 recognize and pay extra for yeah no doubt about it listen i i was in uh, brick and mortar retailing for you know almost 30 years and i'm a big believer in that uh, the brick and mortar is, you know, institutional in our, you know, shopping behavior. Having said that, you know, one of the things we do because we're in this e-commerce space is we just recently surveyed about 2,000 U.S. consumers and uh, talking about what kinds of things and patterns are they looking to do this holiday season as they're thinking about shopping. And that is, you know, what percent of your shopping for this holiday will you do online? First brick and mortar. And interestingly enough, we heard that 58% are planning to spend online. So sure, there's still a good chunk of brick and mortar. Hmm. But, you know, as you mentioned earlier, e-commerce is here to stay. Hmm. It it is a function of doing business. And I guess, you know, as you guys think about, you know, getting ready for the holiday season, you know, is there any strategies that you think about as you approach this last quarter to protect, you know, the brand? Not as such to protect the brand. Obviously, um, you know, we have two big uh, sales seasons coming up. Yes. One in uh, one in, in, in November with the whole Black Friday coming up. And then we have double 11 going on in China. Um, so it's mainly around those events where we where we kind of like have an additional eye on it. And, and how Bang & Olufsen have structured it is that we select a handful of products that we will uh, that we will sell it at, at black friday um at a, at a discount but we will not put all of our station products like home speaker sets and televisions not anything that bang and olufsen can support that we are doing black friday deals on those things right yeah no it's an important piece of business you know we, we what are the questions we also ask these uh consumers or these uh respondents was if you were going to shop online, you know, where would you be shopping? And I don't know if this surprised you or not, but 72% of them said they were going to shop on marketplaces. And what I think is interesting about that is, you know, most brands have their own e-commerce platforms as well, right? But uh, the, the marketplaces are an important element of where people will do mm-hmm. their holiday shopping, right? It's just one of those yeah. areas. And of course, that's what makes your job critical to the company is that, you know, that's your job to protect those spaces. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and also you know being able to navigate those platforms and being able to 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 really be in control, and that's also a, a part of of Bang and Olufsen's strategy is to be in control within uh, of our sales network. We operate a selective distribution model uh, as an example to to ensure that we have the right partners on board and and that our partners are presenting the Bang and Olufsen brand in the way that we 
that we want them to present the mechanism. Yeah, very important. That's an important piece for sure. Um, switching uh, notes here, just a quick uh, minute, but I was speaking with uh, Morale Benham Garcia from Wish.com, who runs the uh, brand protection process there. And uh, one of the things she wanted to ask you, uh, Morton, is how do you define success you know, in your world? Um, so, Morel, thank you very much for the question. It's it's a very it's an excellent question. Um, you know how I perceive success is doing your best in a given uh, given the circumstances. That is what I really believe throughout life, not only in work environment but throughout life. What I also see as a success is actually you giving yourself the time to reflect a bit on you know your successes you experience but also your failures right to to learn from these and not only the big successes but also the small ones in life that you really you know you pause a little bit and you think about these successes and that's you know what i define as success but also you know having living a balanced life being able to um being able to live a, a general balanced life between family friends work Leisure time, whatever, right? That's important. That's a, that's a really good point, uh, Morton. That was a very Danish uh, approach to it, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know what? It's it's really nice because I think sometimes, to your point, we don't step back a little bit and think about the small wins and the little things we do that that make things better for others and better for yourself. And and I think your comment about a balanced life is sometimes in our Western culture we forget how important that is is to have that time for your friends, family, uh, leisure time, and so forth. So very, very good. Good answer. Um, what advice would you give to a young uh, Morton who wants to be an NBA basketball player, but, you know, in case that doesn't work out, you know, coming up with a good plan B? Do you have something that would uh, you would recommend to someone wanting to pursue a career similar to yours? Good question. I would say be open to, to new things. Be open-minded. Looking back, I couldn't have described my career path, and I have definitely not gone the you know very uh, strict career path just upwards in an organization. Um, I've taken a lot of steps to the side or whatever we should call it, but you know I have always done what I what I thought of. This is interesting. This is a field that I want to explore, and this is um, so far giving me a lot of learnings and a lot of ways of looking at, at problems and problem solving, basically, right? Yes, for sure. Uh, well, that, that is good advice for folks to think about that. I, I think you think you're spot on there. And is there anyone you think about who's inspired you in your career? Has there been a mentor or someone who has helped guide you in, in this role or previous roles or in college or wherever? I would actually I would uh, highlight two previous managers that I uh, that I have been privileged to have, and I would even call them maybe not managers but more uh, mentors. You know what has been really really good with these guys is that they basically have thrown me on deep waters. Right? They have they have believed that I was ready to take on take on new experiences, new tasks, and responsibilities. Um, and, and this is what I drive through, right? This is what I really like doing. And this is what 
you know, why, where I can see myself has grown the most and where I've had really a steep learning curve. That's awesome. And Morton, uh, I'm not sure you know our next guest. Maybe you've met him at some of the conferences, but Tavares Brewington, VP and General Counsel at Keolis America, uh, what would you like to ask him? I would like to ask the next guest, you know, which of your skills, or as I refer to it as your superpowers, are you mostly uh, proud of? That's awesome. And let me do a quick four questions and 15 second sprint with you. Sure. Are you ready? Ready as can be. All right. Favorite music, either band or singer? Depending on the mood, but if I had to choose ACDC. Wow, good. Favorite book? I would say Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. That's awesome. If you could eat only one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Fried rice. Definitely fried rice. And what what is your go-to resource to keep you up to date in the world of brand protection? Network and, and connections, colleagues, conferences, but also, you know, LinkedIn posts and articles that I find relevant. Awesome. Brilliant. Morton, loved having you as our guest. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for having me, Daniel. It was very interesting to learn about your journeys and your insights in brand protection. I have a few key takeaways that really resonated with me, and I want to share them with you. Number one, the whole consumer experience has drastically changed throughout the last 20 years, and so has brand protection discipline. We need to accommodate for both. And number two, failures are extremely important. They are learning moments. They don't have to be big failures because even small failures can be pivotal in ways we make things change. That's it for us today. If you liked what you heard, check out our next inspiring personal story from another hero of brand protection. You can follow us on all of our platforms, Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, as well as Twitter and LinkedIn. Make it a good day. <laughs>